everybody, and welcome back to Expand Cool, where we dive deep into the things that we think are worth talking about. I'm Kevin. And I'm Sam. And today we're talking about Skyrim, The Elder Scrolls V. Yeah. Sam, why are we talking about this game? <laughs> um. Well, it's probably my favorite game. I have played it a lot. I have played it over and over again, and to me, it never really gets old. <laughs> right, yeah, it's definitely one of those games that uh, has a lot of replayability and things of that nature. It being the fifth in the series, you know, what draws you to the Elder Scrolls style of, like, RPG game? Well, I would say the fact that the world is open. So you can follow the main quest line if you want to do that. Um, you can do strictly side quests, or you can do no quests at all and just explore the world around you. And the world around you is pretty fantastical. Um, I mean, there's just so many creatures to encounter, so many random dungeons to find and, and special items that you can uh, obtain. And you can meet all of these unique NPCs. And in each Elder Scroll game, the character becomes more and more important. Like, you're not really important in Morrowind. You're just kind of a person that, you know, that used to be a prisoner. Kind of like how you start off in Skyrim. But you're, like, kind of released for whatever reason. I don't remember because I haven't played that game in so long. But then in Oblivion, you know, you save the heir to the um, throne and you're not really like, you don't have any special powers or anything, but, you know, you're important to the storyline. And then there's Skyrim where you end up being dragonborn and you can talk just as the dragons do using um, a thum or, you know, the dragon shouting, which is constantly talked about with all of the Nords throughout the storyline. And, you know, every person wants to feel important <laughs> whenever they're playing a game. I mean, you're the main character. You're playing the game to feel special and to be a part of this world. And having this really unique power and ability to be able to be just like the dragons really starts off this campaign as it were in a very interesting light compared to the other elder scrolls games right it kind of makes you feel much more important right from the get-go as opposed to a lot of rpg games where sometimes you're the chosen one right from the start but a lot of times you're just a person who happens to get wrapped up in some grander thing and in Skyrim in particular yeah you you're awesome <laughs> right from the start like very early on everyone goes oh my gosh look at this guy everyone's <laughs> as soon as you walk into a room everyone goes look it's the dragonborn it's the dragonborn <laughs> right which yeah it definitely makes you feel like cooler and makes you feel like you have a bigger impact on the world around you which is awesome yeah definitely what was your first uh experience with uh, an Elder Scrolls game? Well, um, the first one that I played was Morrowind. Um, my dad got it pretty soon after it came out, 
And um, he was playing it, and I would mostly watch him play it. But I definitely played it when I was pretty young. Um, Early middle school, likely younger. My most fond memories are of the first town um, that you enter once you get off of this ship where you were like a prisoner in another area of Marwind. Um, and the town is called uh, Seda Neen. And you can just kind of hang out in this town and, you know, kill mud crabs and feel very powerful because you can't really kill much else because that <laughs> game is so hard. <laughs> right. And <laughs> You're no dragonborn in that game. Right, right. And, you know, actually thinking about it, I'm going to renege and say my first experience playing an Elder Scrolls game was actually Daggerfall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just remembered, like, just right now, the, you know, 2D uh, bats and uh, creatures that you could fight and, and riding your horse from town to town and the world, like, being created as you play it and it's, like, ridiculously large, like, infinite. I don't remember as much playing that game because it was so long ago but i would say my my more fond memories and more memorable (laughs) memories are with morrowind because i played that far more when i was younger i still remember the music even not hearing it in such a long time like it was just so whimsical charming enchanting and yet there was this hint of danger and it was accurate because the world if you if you strayed too far from the path um in the beginning area you could die because some of the creatures in the area could be like level 35 and you're level two and you just instantly die right and as we've definitely talked about before, you and I both appreciate uh, music scores in yes. games a ton, and <laughs> that, and as as we both know now, <laughs> the same composer did Morrowind, Oblivion, and Skyrim, and the music in all three of those games is really good. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, it's the probably the most memorable soundtrack of all games that I've played. And you even said uh, when we were talking about it a bit that the Oblivion soundtrack is quite different than the other games, but is still, you know, made by the same guy. It's still that quality. Right. It's it's impressive that he was able to branch out in terms of making it unique enough to be its own game. Because I would say that Morrowind and Skyrim have a more similar, different, but similar sound to their music and the mood that they want to create of this, like whimsical and charming but dangerous like you know area that you are adventuring in whereas oblivion i feel i feel like it's more along the lines of there's this really awesome and great evil that is brimming um and coming into the world and it's it feels a little darker the music does right it has like a different tone than morrowind and skyrim overall because of the kind of structure of the game and the big bad of the game exactly 
well, so Morrowind comes out 2002, Oblivion 2006. Mm-hmm. We're still kids. But then Skyrim comes out in 2011, and we're yeah. both college at this point. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, comes out 11, 11, 11. Yep. <laughs> and I I know I remember that day. I oh, was yeah. You remember, you know, what do you remember about that day? Like, what was it like? It was. I, I remember it was a Friday. <laughs> yep. Yes. That was the best. I remember we were waiting until it was being released, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't released that night until, like, 2 a.m. or something. Right crazy and we stayed up to like so my then boyfriend and my now husband he had bought the game like pre-ordered it and everything and we were all surrounding him and waiting for him to start playing um and i actually recently talked to him about it and he was like yeah i felt so uh, rushed through the opening sequence of create like I couldn't even create my character the way I wanted to because you guys were all watching me and I was like get to the good stuff you gotta go <laughs> we gotta watch the beginning and I just remember how how much fun it was to experience it as a group and I know I was very jealous that I wasn't able to play it the night it came out but I mean I didn't have a decent computer to play it on for actually quite some time but I played it anyway (laughs) I trucked through it but yeah that first experience it was great because we were able to all experience it together and we were all so excited and I felt like it was better for me to be able to experience it at first kind of like stepped away from it you know being able to like actually watch it and like think about it because we didn't you know watch too much of the beginning so it wasn't like it was ruining the game because yeah, the game's massive it's there was... so exactly it's it's so massive there's so much to do that wasn't gonna ruin it it was great in my opinion to experience it with everyone right i completely agree especially because for me i mean that was really my first dive into any elder scrolls game i mean i touched oblivion <laughs> that's <laughs> it i i mean i never owned any of the elder scrolls games and so the fact that this game was being hyped up massively and yeah. people who like me had basically never played an elder scrolls game were like i'm skipping class all day friday <laughs> right <laughs> i i'm going to the store first thing in the morning when it opens and yep. buying the game for console or whatever and <laughs> it was crazy that everyone was it seemed like everyone and their mother were playing this pumped. game yes and it was it was an awesome experience like i mean yeah like you said i didn't even play that game that much like when it first came out because i was for a lot of it i was watching someone else play right i was still having a great time <laughs> oh definitely like some of my best memories of games are when I like watch my dad play a game and we just talk about the game or we talk about random stuff. Like, I don't know. There's, there is, you know, a certain special quality to watching a game and being able to experience it in that way versus playing it. I'm not saying one is better than the other, but it's just, you know, different. And you and I both have that experience or that opinion about watching someone play a game like next to you and like talking about it and stuff like i i, I don't like, like you said i don't think that's necessarily more fun no. than playing but it's it can be equally as fun or 
or more fun depending on who you're playing it with. Like, exactly, exactly. It's, a, it's not about you just watching rather than holding the controls. It's about the other person who's playing it with you. Exactly. And like, I I remember I would even notice more things if I was just watching and I'd be like, oh, look, there was that thing. Like, you should go do that thing. And, you know, that necessarily wouldn't have happened if I wasn't watching. Sure. You know? <laughs> or vice versa. They do exactly. something like, oh, I, I wouldn't have done that. That's cool. Yeah, exactly. Just adds an extra level. So once you actually got to have the game on for yourself rather uh-huh. than for everyone <laughs> you didn't have to skip the character creation portion <laughs> uh and skyrim has a pretty extensive character creator how how long what's the longest you think you've spent on that screen where you get to create a character <laughs> you know what's funny is that i'm sure i i have spent like a while at one point doing it but for the most part i would only spend maybe 10 minutes at most because I would choose characters like a Khajiit or Argonian where the changes are minimal and like changing their facial features won't really, you know, do a whole lot. Right. The design's pretty locked in. (laughs) Yeah. And like the fact that you're wearing hoods and helmets throughout the game also is kind of a negative aspect to spending so much time creating a character um i mean i've definitely spent more time creating characters when i'm creating a more human looking character you know such as a a breton or a high elf or um you know a red guard a nord any of those i definitely spent more time but i would say at most i spent half an hour but I mean, yeah, for those other human characters, those weren't the majority of the characters you played. Is that right, Sam? This is correct. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, one of the most notorious things about Skyrim that, I mean, it's a still a super popular game. Mm-hmm. You know, there are still people playing it. It has a ton to do. But one of the things that has stood the test of time is the meme of the intro of skyrim (laughs) being on that cart being dragged by a horse yep um the unskippable intro of skyrim (laughs) (laughs) how many times do you think you've had to go through that intro in skyrim Ooh, oof i would say at least two dozen times oh my gosh maybe more (laughs) because i i was terrible about creating new characters because I would play like one character a lot and then I'd quit for a while and then I'd be like I don't remember what I was doing I'm just gonna create a new character (laughs) um I'm sure other people can agree with me in in that they did that (laughs) but um one of my favorite things about a change that had happened due to modding um, was uh, this mod called uh, Live Another Life. And it made the intro far more bearable <laughs> because you could, you know, begin with the vanilla um, start or you could begin owning a house or you could begin shipwrecked. Um, you could begin as a member of the Stormcloaks. Like, there was... A large amount of possibility with this mod and 
it was a lot of fun to try out each one of those possibilities and see what happened, especially with some of the ones where there was one where you could be a bandit. And oh, okay. that one was slightly broken because if you made any wrong move, like they would all <laughs> murder you. <laughs> oh, geez. But I mean, still, it was impressive that this one mod was able to encompass without breaking the game all of these new starts and like so what's interesting how how they um get you to go through the main storyline is that they have this little quest that's like um you know start your new life and then usually you'll be out in the world with other people and someone will mention oh there is a dragon attack at Helgen and you'll have a little quest thing that says go look and find out what happened at Helgen. And so, like, you can learn about all of the things that happened by going back to Helgen and reading a diary. And then you can find the two characters where you can choose whether to follow an Imperial soldier or a Stormcloak, uh, Roloff or, or Hadvar. And you can save one of them. So you can basically continue the main storyline without going through the entire beginning Thank goodness. Um, over and over again. <laughs> that sounds really cool that like you can it kind of customized how you started the game in more ways than one. Most definitely. That's just one of the great things about Skyrim eventually being opened up to the world of modding, especially on the Steam Workshop. What were some of your like favorite or most useful mods that you've used in Skyrim? Yeah, so I actually more recently upgraded to Skyrim Special Edition. Uh-huh. And I hadn't done that yet in a while because when it first came out, there were no mods for it. And there were a lot of problems, a lot of bugs, and the modded vanilla Skyrim looked better than the Special Edition. Right, right. So I was like, why would I play this broken version of Skyrim when I could play this Skyrim with mods that is beautiful still. And so I haven't played around as much with the special edition mods, but some of my favorite mods from the vanilla Skyrim would be the mods that, you know, made it look prettier, made the water more realistic. Um, I think the mod that I would use was a foul scar. Um, and then there is this other mod that would allow you to get more components from animals. And also it made the world, the lighting more realistic, more dark, which, you know, made the game both fun and harder <laughs> in some sure. aspects. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't played as much around with the special edition but it looks like a lot of the same mods are available in the special edition, which is exciting. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, I mean, ga games in general, especially for me, like any mod that is like a, a life convenience kind of thing. Yeah. Like that, it, that just makes something in the game that the devs might have just thought was cool or like, right. you know, and it just tweaks it slightly. So you go, oh, okay, now this is easier. Yeah, and like... <laughs> I think for the special edition, I don't know if this is accurate. I'd have to look it up. Um, 
I think they changed the saves so it's more easy to separate your save files rather than scrolling through your infinite saves and finding the character you actually want. Oh my gosh, thank so, God. So <laughs> I was very appreciative of that and will definitely be playing the special edition strictly from now on. <laughs> that, I don't blame you for that. Yeah, that was probably my favorite aspect. I will say I did download this Sky UI or uh, something oh, yeah, like that. Oh, yeah, I think I, that sounds familiar. Okay. Yeah. It's the one where it changes your inventory so it's like more the HUD friendly. And, like, yes. Inventory system and. Exactly. Well, so I tried downloading that and using it in Special Edition, and it made the opening of anything, including your inventory, take at least five seconds. Like a oh, noticeable geez. amount of time. And so I had to uninstall it, but. Hopefully that will be fixed at some point. Um, I've been using the normal, even though it's not very pretty or friendly, I've been using the normal inventory system since the beginning, so it wasn't really a huge loss to me because, I mean, whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, you're used to it at this yeah, point. Yeah, my husband was like, why? <laughs> he, was, he was very he, upset. He was having the sitting next to and watching someone play the game the negative version of that experience <laughs> exactly oh yeah uh, definitely you talked about is uh for the the mod where you can start the start another life mod mm -hmm. being able to start with a house so houses are a feature in the game where you can purchase a house normally do you care about houses you know do they matter are you are you the kind of person <laughs> who says i gotta have a house and it's gotta be decked out like what do you <laughs> Uh, well, I would say I enjoyed the houses in Skyrim. Um, they all looked very pretty and they were relatively expensive, but um, I always would buy Breeze Home, which is in Whiterun because classic. And I think, you know, Whiterun is a very... It's, you know, your starting city, so there's a special place in your heart. <laughs> it's a central location, too. Exactly. Like it's... like, it's a great place to have a home. And I don't feel like a terrible person because my home's not, like, ridiculously decked out and beautiful. Like, like I don't know how to explain it. It's not so extravagant that you're like, ooh, I, I kind of feel like an asshole for it, it fits this. in with the neighborhood you're not exactly. that person who moves in and builds some mansion <laughs> in the middle of a quaint little neighborhood yeah exactly um but i i will say that they have these this dlc out let me see if i remember the name of it i believe it's called hearthfire skyrim and it allows you to purchase these holds in the world I believe there are three holds. Um, there's only two that I've really, really known about or, you know, actually bought. One of them is uh, called Winstad Manor, and it's probably my favorite because it's so pretty. And it's right next to, like, a river, and um, it's by Morthal. Okay. And it's a unique DLC in that you purchase this land... You go to the land, there's nothing there, but you can build a house. So you basically start from scratch and you have to get all these different resources to be able to build the house. 
And it's kind of a more exciting investment because you're actually creating it in the way that you want to. Yes, it's going to look, you know, very similar to all the other ones that other people can make because, you know, there's a set formula for the house. But, you know, you can have an alchemy laboratory rather than a place for your children (laughs) (laughs) which obviously i mean if you had to pick one of those (laughs) i mean alchemy laboratory obviously (laughs) all the way (laughs) but you know just being able to have that versatility in a house is pretty fun and all of the houses in skyrim there's definitely more versatility than in than there was in oblivion but i will say (laughs) i played oblivion so much that I was able to purchase all of the houses and completely fill them with everything necessary. Like, you have to purchase all of the sets. So you have to purchase the bedroom furnishings. You have to purchase the kitchen furnishings and, like, all of this stuff. But, like, I fully decked out every single one of my houses in Oblivion. You're like a real estate tycoon. (laughs) Yeah. I've yet to do that in Skyrim, so... Nice. <laughs> but yeah, you can definitely go down a rabbit hole in the in that DLC for Skyrim because you can just keep upgrading your house and then you can buy, you know, two more that you can create and just keep on upgrading and yeah, it can definitely take up a lot of your time and money. <laughs> right, right. This is one of the things I love about Skyrim and I presume a lot of people love about Skyrim and games like it is that these open world RPG type of games really give the player a ton of different options of what you want to focus on and what you want to, what's important to you and what do you want to spend time on in the game, like a house or, you know, a myriad of other things. I don't care about the houses. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Anytime I played Skyrim, I was like a place to put stuff. Who cares? I just want to run around the world. Yeah, well, I mean, you definitely didn't do the thing what, that I did where I would be like, oh, I need I need somewhere to store all my cool shit. Um, I need a house. So I would get the house. I'd store all my stuff separately where I would be like, okay, this is the stuff I need to sell eventually. And then this is the stuff that I'm keeping for like backup stuff. And then I would forget always to sell the items. Yep. <laughs> I already because, knew that was coming. Yeah, because... <laughs> Well, the the most annoying thing for Skyrim was that the it made sense. It made complete sense. I am not disparaging that. But the vendors would have a limited supply of gold. And so you could only sell them so many things, which, you know, completely fine. I understand. You just unload everything on the first one. (laughs) So, like, it was kind of cool because it was like a back and forth where you would buy items that you needed and then you would sell items that you didn't want anymore. So it was like a good exchange. But at one point, you don't need to buy anything anymore because you're getting so much stuff from the world that you're like, all right, well, I guess I'm just going to, like, keep it here and eventually get rid of it and then forget about it and never get rid of it. You eventually have to load up your character with things you intend to sell and travel to all the different cities and find all the vendors and be like, buy my stuff. I already exhausted all the vendors in Whiterun. They won't buy from me anymore. Exactly. They don't have any money. I bankrupted them. <laughs> yep, pretty much. That's me bankrupting entire cities. <laughs> That's You have to do what you have to do. You do. With 
a lot of RPGs. Uh, there are a lot of different builds in Skyrim in particular. There's because of all the different skill trees you can focus on, you can kind of specialize your character and what they do, and in particular, more importantly, how they do combat. What are some of your favorite uh, builds in Skyrim? Yeah, so I would definitely say for Skyrim, my favorite and most common was to be a sneaky bow person. <laughs> you don't say. I know, right? Crazy. Um, I would also usually have some skill with like a blade. Like usually um, I would do dual wielding daggers because <laughs> I felt mm-hmm. like that was perfect for the character. Um, unless I was a Khajiit, then I'd just punch them because your punching ability was really great. But yeah, I would definitely say that my favorite and my most played would be a sneaky bow person. Just because you could kill an enemy from such a far distance that they could potentially not even know you were there. (laughs) And that power was just too great to pass up. (laughs) You could get through, and it was a great build because there would be areas in the game you want to explore and if you were especially earlier if you're not that strong yes it's hard to just go all out in a brawl with a ton of people in a little fortress that they're exactly. probably gonna, gonna get you you're gonna and die. so if you can sneak through and take out one guy at a time oh it, it was good it's like well i want to go in this fortress but i don't think i should be here yet but i <laughs> yep. don't want to leave and come back <laughs> yep <laughs> exactly and It was great because, so, (laughs) for me, this drove my husband absolutely crazy, but I would sneak throughout the entire time I was walking in Skyrim. I would not be able to watch (laughs) you do that. (laughs) I would be walking from, you know, Whiterun to Riften and just be sneaking along the entire road and it would take me hours of real time (laughs) and it was great because you wouldn't just sneak and then you know you wouldn't get any benefit from it you would level up your sneaking while sneaking so that was handy that me sneaking and wanting to do that throughout the game I was actually you know they were telling me it was okay that I wanted to do this in, so, in, in a way, yeah. They in were a way. Kind of, in a way, they were like, you know, you are wasting a lot of time. It has, it has this little benefit. It does. You know what? I would level up my sneak skill to be 100 very quickly, so... It, hey, man, whatever works. It worked. <laughs> and yes, it was my favorite build, but I will say that it was a lot of fun to try out all of the different builds. Um, There was now dual wielding in Skyrim, which was not available in Oblivion, and that was so much fun. Um, You could, you know, have an axe and a mace or, you know, two swords or two daggers or, you know, whatever you wanted to do with dual wielding, and that was so cool. And there was, you know, two-handed weapons that 
always looked uh, magnificent and you felt so powerful because usually you could kill a person in one blow if you managed to actually hit them instead of them running away from you. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But, you know... Hold still for a second. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But, you know, the versatility of all of the different builds was a really cool aspect and the fact that if you are a sneaky bow person in the beginning and then you're like, you know what, I want to play with more swords or, you know, I want to play with a two-handed weapon, you could do that. It would be slightly more difficult that you hadn't done that yet, but you could do that. And that ability to not, you know, you don't have to stay playing in one way if you don't want to. Right, you're not locked into a build and, like, gated from another build based on your actions. Exactly. What's, like, your least favorite build? (laughs) And least favorite build that, like, you played, especially, like, early on? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would say, you know, once I played through Skyrim enough that I knew a lot of the story, I knew a lot of the quests that you could do, and, you know, I knew a lot about the world, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try a character that is strictly magic. You know, let's try this out. This should be fun. Yeah, it should be, right? Should be, right? Well, the first 10 levels or more, you're like a squish. You get hit once and you're almost dead and you're like, well, shit. (laughs) I need to stay as far away from you as possible, but I can't kill you quite fast enough yet to be able to do that. And so... In my opinion, it was just a worse version of bow because it was from a distance, but you couldn't do sneak damage. Yeah, and on top of not doing sneak damage, you're doing a fireworks show as soon as you enter a room. (laughs) Yes, so everyone comes running. They're like, oh, look at that guy. He looks fancy. (laughs) Yeah, and so I, I do have a level 20 character that is a magic person, but I still have to play it safe. I still have to strategize before going into a room. I have to figure out, okay, are there two people or are there 10 people in here? Like, I need to know that or else I'm going to (laughs) die. And maybe I am not playing the magic character correctly or, you know, maybe I should be using more magical items such as staves and you know creating creatures to help me but I feel like if you go hard in destruction you should be able to murder people quickly right right it's called destruction (laughs) yeah it shouldn't lead it shouldn't lead to your destruction it should lead to the enemies I had a very similar experience when I did a full magic build like out of the gate I remember like this one fight in particular. I don't I don't recall exactly where it was, but like there were just several enemies in the room. And just like you were talking about with the strategizing, for me it wasn't strategizing before I went into the room. <laughs> it was strategizing in between each life cuz I died right. so many times oh. in that room. That's like I died I'm like, "Okay, what did I do wrong <laughs> that time?" Yeah. And like for and especially for that fight, it got to a point where I'm like, "I don't think I'm doing it wrong. I think this just sucks." <laughs> <laughs> You know, you're probably right, because I feel like if you go into a room with certain number of characters and you're a certain level, you have to have more powerful spells or just be more powerful than the characters that are in there. But the problem with Skyrim is that it it 
it scales more or less. Like there's some stuff that is more difficult and you can't really do until you're higher level, but for the most part, it scales. And so if you're not powerful in that fight, then it's like, well, should I not be this character then? <laughs> right, yeah. It's it's one of those builds that feels like you have to be a certain level. And yes, they'll have caught up, but now you'll have the tools to do a fight like that. But back then, you just couldn't. Yeah, <laughs> you exactly. Just, you just didn't have the right equipment to be able to handle it. Yeah. Uh, it's unfortunate that it's one of... I mean, my brother played Destruction and... Uh, a few other types of magic to their completion to hundred and more power to him. <laughs> yeah, when he showed me his character, I'm like, this is the coolest character I've ever seen in Skyrim. I really, but I I couldn't get through the first ten levels <laughs> trying to you know grind through the game. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of the skill trees and like leveling them up in this game, obviously you know sneak and <laughs> archery pretty high on your list. Definitely. <laughs> But, uh, you know, there's the perk system where you get to choose, like, what perks you want at what point of the game when you level up. Uh, do you have any particular perks that were your favorites? I would say that it was likely Sneak because you could combine it with some of the other perks in the skill trees. Like, for, for Sneaking, there was this one perk called Deadly Aim. <laughs> and it paired perfectly with archery. And uh it was it was just so fun to be able to see that combo being able to happen between two trees and making your character powerful enough to be able to, you know, render people unable to move like, you know, paralyzed, or um, you do a ridiculous amount of damage when you're sneaking, and so that was perfect for me. And, you know, just having those combinations work together was a very good aspect, in my opinion, for this perk, for the perk system. Right, yeah. It, it was always cool to find perks in those trees that clearly lent themselves to synergizing with other trees. yes rather than just being like, we're making you better in this thing. Right. It's like, and oh, it's this kind of incentivizes, separate. hey, if you use healing with, you know, a one-handed weapon, yeah. that healing can be better and stuff. I'm like, ooh, that's cool. Yes, most definitely. I think that was one positive that they did with um, changing the uh, skills and how you level up. Right. One other big new combat mechanic that Skyrim had from its predecessors is as we talked about you're the dragonborn yeah and so you've got Thum and you can shout you can dragon shout at people and there are several different shouts you can learn throughout the game what are your favorite shouts that you use <laughs> in your characters so I'm sure this is going to be boring to some of our listeners because it's a classic, but I will say Unrelenting Force was just such a just good shout. Whenever you got all of, whenever you got, you know, Fusroda, it was so powerful in a group. It would literally knock them off their feet and make them lose their weapons. And it was such a great way to start off a giant battle. Right. Being able to ragdoll a group of enemies in a, in a game is 
always a satisfying feeling. Oh, definitely. Um, but I will say, so the main, you know, negative to that shout is that you can't use it on dragons because it just doesn't work. So my favorite um, shouts for using on dragons, depending upon what element they would breathe, whether it was fire or frost, I loved the fire and frost breath shouts because they were just very powerful and did a lot of damage. And when you're fighting a dragon with a decent amount of health, it definitely you need helped. Some damage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I I'm going to forget the name of it, but I love the shout that uh made you move forward. Oh, yes. Uh that was um whirlwind sprint yes yeah i thought i thought that was just really cool like it I wasn't i don't think it was nearly as strong as the other shouts but it was just such a cool thing it was just fun <laughs> yeah it just made you feel like like gosh i just teleported essentially that's really awesome right yeah and you know there's so many good one good shouts that they have in here and you know you can once you do the dragonborn um uh, DLC, you can actually get, you know, shouts where you can control a dragon and ride them. Like, what? <laughs> so That's pretty great. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they're they're pretty unique. I will say I haven't had as much time with some of the other shouts. There's some that will make you attack faster. There's some that Buff will... Yeah, there's some that will just call allies to you. Like, there's one that will call animals or, you know, this random person from another realm to come and help you. <laughs> so, you know, it's a very cool added me mechanic. Right. So is are you saying Sam's next character will be not allowed to use Fusro Da? Or... Oh, my God. <laughs> That's not okay. <laughs> That's going to have yeah. to be necessary. <laughs> going to force yourself to use the other shouts? <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could do that either. It's too good. It's too much fun. Yes. With those shouts, and like you were saying, Fusro Da being ineffective, you know, dragon combat in this game is probably the hardest things to fight because they're dragons. They're, <laughs> you know... <laughs> what? They're... <laughs> They're massive, they're tanky, they're, you know, they breathe fire or ice. <laughs> um, how do you think the dragon combat itself was done in this game? Like, did you find it enjoyable when you would have to fight a dragon? Or were you like, oh, I, it's a dragon, but uh, let's get it over with. <laughs> I would say that for the most part, I enjoyed fighting dragons. Um, I will say that their AI had much to be desired for... I might agree with that. <laughs> because, so, I just remember there was this one time I was fighting a dragon and I was running and chasing the dragon because it would go and fight literally anything else besides me. <laughs> and I was like, guy, you need to come here so I can kill you and get your soul i've been hunting for all of these souls like you need to come back and fight me like i am the main character i'm dragonborn you should want to fight me and not a bear <laughs> like... right where's the signal flare dragon shout <laughs> right 
<laughs> so I'm down here. I I think that the whenever you're actually engaged and the dragon is fighting you, I thought that was unique. Um, and I thought that they did a pretty good job with what they had at the time, um, in terms of the combat. I will say it made sense, but another frustrating thing was when you were in an area that they didn't want to land or couldn't land, they would not land. And so you'd have to do only, you know, bow or magic. And it was so long. (laughs) Yeah. I remember a couple instances where I had a dragon that refused to land. Yes. I was just like, this is my life now. Yeah, I mean, one good thing is that you could use Dragon Rend and then they would be forced to land. But, you know, you don't get that shout until the main story is nearly ended. So you're going to be level like 25 <laughs> for, you know, 20. So, yeah, I would I would say that it was good for the time, but I think it could definitely be better. Yeah, and I completely agree. It's one of those things where definitely while I was playing Skyrim, except for the couple things we talked about, I was like, oh, yeah, this is great getting to fight a dragon. And But now it's one of those things where I look back on, and not that I think it's bad now, but I look at things like current Monster Hunter games. Yes. And I'm like, ooh, if a dragon fight was like that. Right, exactly. Or if the dragon acted, or if the dragon acted in more different ways when it was on the ground. I'm like, that would be really cool. Because it doesn't do a ton when it's on the ground. Oh, gosh, no. It's just like, I'm going to bite at you and breathe on you. <laughs> right. But yeah, I still think the co- the combat was a lot of fun with the dragons overall. It was an added, you know, unique thing that they hadn't done before. So. Right, exactly. They had to, you know, introduce... A- the biggest enemies in their game were something completely new for them. And so considering yeah. that, it was done really well. Yeah, and I and I don't know about you, but... I know they all pretty much look the same, but I really enjoyed the way that they went with their look. Yeah, I think the dragons looked really cool. I, I yeah, I wish they looked more unique, like um, like how like Parthenax looks. Yeah, yeah. Like I like just in that he's very distinct. Like even Alduin, right? He doesn't even look that different. He's like a spiky version of every other dragon in the game. Right, <laughs> like, like his face least. is like the only really, his face and his tail are like the only really unique aspects. And his color. Right, but clearly from like Parthenax, the dragons can look significantly different, and most of them don't look significantly different. But they do look very cool, nonetheless. Yes. Yeah, and I'm sure that the reason why they had Parthenax look so unique was because you had so much interaction with him. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they probably spent a lot more time on, especially not just interaction, but you have up-close interaction with him. Exactly. So, I mean, while you're fighting a dragon, it's a pretty chaotic and everything's <laughs> moving. It doesn't really matter like right. how detailed or cool it looks. Like, Parthenax, you're standing still and staring at him for a long time. Sometimes a long time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I get that, you know, he was the most unique looking one, but I think it would have been cool if, like, each dragon was, like, pretty different from every other one. Agreed. Agreed. So, we've been talking a lot about mechanics. What was your favorite one that Elder Scrolls, or that Skyrim did, compared to its predecessors in the Elder Scrolls series? Yeah, so, I, I will say that the first thing that I absolutely loved when I first started playing was the fact that you could dual wield 
You had your magic in your hands, which made way more sense than Oblivion, where it would just like kind of appear whenever you would cast it. <laughs> right, right. It just happens. I'm sure, you know, some people would be like, well, you know, it took away from it because you had to use it in your hands. But like, to me, that was a positive because then you had two different hands that you could put things in. So, you know, you could have a sword and fire or a sword and healing or two swords or, you know, just having that. Lots of different combinations, flexibility and that kind of thing. Exactly. Like, I really, really enjoyed that. How about worst mechanic that Skyrim <laughs> had, that it introduced or changed from its predecessors? Yeah, so um, it's kind of a toss-up between two things, but I'll have to go with the thing that I hated from the beginning and then kind of grew. It grew on me, and I'm okay with it now, but I would say the leveling. It being dumbed down to the point of a small child could figure it out very easily, which that's fine, but I think that they went too far in that direction. Right, they tried to make it too accessible. Yeah, I th- I think that Oblivion did a great job with, because Morrowind was very complicated and very difficult to understand. Granted, I was young, but even my dad would say that it was more difficult um, and so to me, Oblivion, even when I was young, I could understand it and it wasn't so difficult that I couldn't figure it out. And I really enjoy the perk system in Skyrim, but in my opinion, they really should have had that added bonus of being able to upgrade your strength or your endurance or that those kind of D&D-esque um, stats, I feel like that would have made it more complex, but not in a way where it wasn't playable or fun still. Right. Yeah. It still gives you, you know, like with a lot of things we talked about, more flexibility to creating your character and putting your character down a certain path or Yeah, because right now you can only do, you know, upgrade your stamina, health, or magic by 10 points, and then you choose what you want to upgrade on the perk tree, and that's literally it. And in my opinion, they should have at least one more thing. Yeah, I, I think I agree overall. I think it felt, compared to most RPGs, pretty simple in terms of the leveling aspect, considering... It's an open world meant to be played for a long time type of game. Most games like that allow a lot more detailed customization as you progress and level. Right. Clearly it dumbed it down. It clearly was trying to, like we said, just make it easier. But to a point where it may it may have lost something for the people who really love the RPG elements of these games, the Elder Scrolls games. Yes, exactly. And I would say that... A tie for me <laughs> for works mechanic that was introduced would be followers. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. I I liked the idea of having a person to come and help you. Right on paper, it's it sounded great. I was like, oh man, I'm gonna have a buddy to adventure with me. That's fun. Um, and then there was Lydia. <laughs> yep. 
And she would, you know, follow you and you would give her stuff to make her better, to be able to fight better. And then you would be fighting someone, you know, up close and she would just get right in front of your swords and take all of the damage you just dealt. <laughs> and then potentially die. And then you'd have to uh, reload a save <laughs> so that she wouldn't be dead. <laughs> and so that aspect was slightly annoying. And I would never, ever have followers when I was a sneaky bow person because oh gosh no they would get in front of you shooting <laughs> and they would go run and wake everyone up and hey, then guys, die here. <laughs> and so I I think that it was a great idea but they <laughs> they need to be better <laughs> yeah executed poorly to say the least yes <laughs> yeah I completely agree especially Lydia I uh. I'm sworn to carry your burdens. <laughs> it's it's one of those things, I mean, especially like you said with the leveling up thing, it's, it's unfortunate that that's how it is, but it's one of those things that, like you said, okay, I, you get used to it and it's just fine. Right. But something like Lydia is just an active reminder of how bad that mechanic is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you expect like, you know, maybe I'm just having a bad experience with it right now. No, it's no, just bad. It's forever. always, it's always, always terrible. bad. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. It, it's one of those things where I was like, oh, I'm so excited to have a follower. And pretty quickly after that, I was really unhappy that I had a follower. <laughs> exactly. And so I would literally, I would take her sometimes and then I'd tell her to wait outside while I, while I go through a dungeon and then I just use her as a pack mule. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. She, she would be all right at that. <laughs> but most other things... Uh. <laughs> Did not excel in. Yeah. My favorite would always be when I jumped off of a mountain into water or, like, used a path that was not able to be followed. And then, like, I'd see her a game, like, game two hour la later, like, maybe, like, ten minutes later. And I'm like, where the hell have you been? <laughs> she, she took the path more traveled. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and it just took a lot longer. Like, I understand that they had to do that, but, like, I also, I was just, like, seriously. Yeah, it just uh. didn't translate well to in-game play. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, we discussed a ton of mechanics in Skyrim and the Elder Scrolls games in general, but for me and a lot of other people, some of the best things about these role-playing games and the Elder Scrolls series in particular is the story and the quests and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and like with all open-world games, Skyrim has a main story quest that you can progress, and then it has side quests. And with a lot of these games, the main quest line can be the best part of the game, and it could be the worst part of the game. <laughs> <laughs> How how did you enjoy the Skyrim main storyline from start to finish? Um, overall, I think I really enjoyed it because um, the main focus of it was with the dragons and being dragonborn. So you know, it was it was adding to that unique aspect that was new to this game, um, and just you know, allowing you to really explore it. So I really enjoyed that aspect of the game, uh, the main story. 
And the I would say that, in my opinion, it wasn't quite as memorable. The, the smaller parts of the main story for Skyrim, to me, wasn't nearly as memorable as Oblivion. Um, and maybe it's just the nostalgia aspect of Oblivion um, sure. compared to Skyrim. I don't know. But I, I definitely will say that the beginning of the main story, because I've played it so many times, ha- I've always enjoyed, you know, fighting the first dragon, finding out your dragonborn, all of these things. Um, and then you know, getting to meet Parthenax and finding out he's a dragon. (laughs) And then, you know, fighting Alduin and then eventually going to Sovngarde, which is, you know, basically the Nordic heaven, and fighting Alduin to banish him to never come back. All of that was a lot of fun and very memorable. And I think that... They did a great job with the background uh, story with that and the NPCs that you meet along the way. Like Delphine is a really major player in the main story quest line and she's a great character and very intriguing. And you get to, you know, be with the Blades again. So it's like, oh, I remember them in Oblivion. Um, So, you know, there's that aspect. And what's funny is that I was... Looking back at some of the in-between items that I didn't remember of the main storyline, and I completely forgot that the Blades requested that you kill Parthenax because he's a dragon and because they don't trust him. (laughs) And I completely forgot about that, and I think the reason that I did was because I did not kill him. I, I do remember killing him to see how difficult it was, but then reloading and being like, I don't want to kill him. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I I definitely remember a lot of the main parts of the main story for Skyrim, but I remember far more of the overall story, main quest of Oblivion, far more. And I don't know why, um... Like I said, potentially from nostalgia, but I think that the added Oblivion Gates was another aspect to it that really caught my eye because you were entering a realm that was, you know, not of this world. And so that added step in that storyline was just so memorable that, I don't know, I just really enjoyed it. Yeah, I... I was just about to say, like, similar to the traveling to another realm in Oblivion, some of the parts that, I mean, I I don't remember most of the <laughs> Skyrim main storyline, but some of the parts that stuck out to me was when you're with Parthenax and there's the whole time travel oh, stuff. that one was my favorite. And it's that same kind of thing. You're kind of being transported to another, I mean, in this case, another time, but it's it's like, this is unlike anything I've done in this game so far. Exactly. I I still remember the first time I did that and I remember, you know, seeing all of the uh, the uh, ancient heroes that were fighting off Alduin 
And then you meet them later in Savingard and they help you defeat him. And uh, it's just such a great moment in that story. I think those two moments, like, you know, the time travel in Savingard is because of that transporting to a new realm. And I think um, it was it was just it wasn't jarring. Like, I still remember those extremely fondly. But it's like those were the two real only times where you really felt like you stepped out of the world of Skyrim in the main storyline. Exactly. Or at least stepped out of the world you know as Skyrim. Yep. It, like you said in Oblivion, a main part of that storyline was a different realm that you would enter. Like you would enter all of these different Oblivion gates and have to close them. And so, you know, that was just so memorable because each one was different. Right. I think there's something to that. I think more than just nostalgia, that kind of thing. Because as someone who hasn't played through all of Oblivion, I the time travel thing and Sovngarde are the two main things i remember from the skyrim story because they were so different from the rest of the gameplay and the third probably being when you get dragon rend because that's just so cool oh yes yes (laughs) which is actually part of um that time travel right yeah it is it is directly linked to that yes so you enjoyed the main story for skyrim but with a lot of these games (laughs) there are way more side quests than there are main story quests (laughs) yes there's just tons of stuff in the world that is basically asking you to deviate from the main story yeah oh yeah um what what are some of your most uh memorable side stories in skyrim oh man um well i'll start off with one that is very random it's this quest called waking nightmare um you go to this town of dawnstar and these, all these uh, people in the town are saying, oh, I didn't sleep very well. I had nightmares last night. And, like, all of these people are talking about these nightmares. And you're like, okay, this is weird. And then this priest um, comes to talk to you called Erender. And I might be saying his name wrong. But he seeks out your help to stop this, uh, these nightmares. And so he's like, we need to go to this temple called Nightcaller Temple. And so you're like, all right, sure, I'm an adventurer. I'll go help you do this thing. I'm the um, dragonborn. I'm the this. dragonborn. I'm, it's all good. <laughs> so you will follow him throughout this temple. And, you know, you learn more and more about him and what had happened at the temple. Because um, there's he keeps on referring to having to flee and that there was this raid by these orcs on this temple and he wants to right the temple and sort of cleanse it and you're like okay and throughout this story you find out that he used to be a follower of vermina which is the actually the deity who is creating this problem of the nightmares and ah. so you're like, oh, okay, well, what are what are we doing here? Like, I, should I trust you? You know, like, I don't know. And so you go into this, you know, main area and there's this miasma. And before this, you drink this potion so that you have this ability to pretend that you are the person that destroyed the miasma 
to protect this Daedric artifact. Oh, and so okay. it's like kind of this weird time altering thing. Like you see things happening from this ghost-like thing and then like you're but you're the person doing I don't know, it's very unique. And so you go through this miasma, you get through it, and then you have to fight these two followers that are devoted to Vermina. And then uh, Erendur is like, okay, we need to destroy this Daedric artifact. And you can either kill him to stop him from destroying the artifact, or you can let him destroy it, and then he will uh, be a potential follower. Um... So this artifact that he's destroying is called the Skull of Corruption. And it does, like, 20 points of just straight damage. Like it's a staff. Or, if you have dreams collected from people, it will do 50 points of damage. Ooh. So I never... We already talked about how bad followers are. Right? I know. <laughs> I didn't... I never killed him. Well, I did once to see what would happen, but, like, I, I usually would not kill him because... Well, what's funny is that the way that you get the um, choice to kill him is that Vermina is whispering to you, like, kill him. He's gonna use the skull. Like, kill him. Don't let him destroy this artifact. And, like, all these things, like, she's trying to convince you and, like... So it's just it's just one of those side quests that was definitely a side quest, but it was such a in-depth and unique side quest that I always remember it. And it was just very fun to do. Um, and then after you, whether you keep the artifact or destroy it, all of the townspeople are happy because they don't have these nightmares anymore. Yeah, wow, that sounds really like involved for a side quest for sure yeah it's it's called waking nightmare if anyone's curious now there are three well four main side quests not really main because they're not main quests but side quests that i that are the most extensive i would say um and those being uh the dragonborn dlc the Dawn Guard DLC, and then just the Thieves Guild side mission. Now, when I first did the Dragonborn DLC, which you have to be pretty high level to do it, um, you get to travel to a new area, an island called Solstheim, which, as we've discussed, is always fun and unique and different. And that aspect of it really reminded me of Oblivion and its DLC of Shivering Isles, where you can become Sheagorath, which is super badass <laughs> because you basically become a Daedric prince. <laughs> which is pretty cool. It's all I mean, right. yeah, you're like the ruler of that island and uh, that that's probably my favorite quest in all of the Elder Scrolls games because it is just fun and you get to become a Daedric Prince at the end. <laughs> that um, sounds amazing. Yeah, but back to Solstheim in Skyrim. It's it's such a pretty and 
unique area. Like, it reminds you a lot of Morrowind and that enchanting and um, just gorgeous landscape. And so, you know, being able to be, again, in this unique area and that's completely different is, you know, one added benefit. And then, you know, once you get through all of the, like, quests that you can do in Solstheim, you have the potential to fight the first dragonborn, Mirak. And that fight is ridiculously hard. <laughs> I ha- I probably died, like, five times. <laughs> but... It was so much fun because you get to ride a dragon and fight him using a dragon, and then you get to fight him in person, and that whole entire storyline is, it's just so different from Skyrim storylines in general that you feel like you're playing a new game, which is really cool, and at the end of it, you get to have the ability to ride dragons that's a it's a pretty good perk (laughs) yeah i mean it's all right you know you can just call a dragon up and be like hey i want you to take me to this place hey i need a lift (laughs) (laughs) i mean granted the the downside is that you can't really control them very well but the whole point of that is that you're not like a dragon rider and these dragons have minds of their own, so they're more sentient. But it's still, you know, a very cool aspect of that was added to the game. Yeah, that's that's so <laughs> cool that they would add that kind of thing as DLC that pretty much adds this like brand new mechanic to the game. Yeah. That's that's really awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, and then, you know, like I was saying with the Thieves Guild and then the Companions and then Vampires, like, all of that was such a unique and cool added item to the story of Skyrim, you know, because you could be a vampire in Oblivion, but it was negative, whereas in... Skyrim, it could be a positive. Like, you could become a vampire lord and just murder everyone. <laughs> and, you know, having having them delve deeper into that, into those abilities of becoming, like, a werewolf or a vampire lord. Like, just, sh- like, having that addition was, in my opinion, a positive. Um... I think that, you know, some of those mechanics weren't perfect, sure, but it was such a unique storyline and addition to the all of the side quests that you could do that it made it a lot of fun. It kind of replaces, in my opinion, the Fighters Guild, because they don't really have that in Skyrim, whereas that was a really major thing in Oblivion, and... So having that ability to become something different within this game where they haven't really done that before is very cool. Yeah. Again, it's, it comes back to anytime you're playing a game for a very long time, times where that game changes it up on you on how the game works or how you play it or what you can do is unless it's done extremely poorly. Yeah. (laughs) It's almost always going to be something memorable and cool because 
Skyrim is not a game that you play for 10 hours. Right, right. <laughs> it's a game you play for an extremely long time. Yeah. And just adds versatility. Right. It and for a lot of that you're you and you know, you're getting better, but if you can then ride a dragon or become a vampire or you know, do <laughs> these other things, it's just new cool things in the game that you weren't able to do before. Exactly. Which is always going to be memorable, yeah. Yeah, and like for the Thieves Guild, it was it was great because it reminded me of Oblivion, and I thought that they did a great job with their storyline. It wasn't at all the same storyline or anything, but just that feel of what the Thieves Guild is and what they should be was the same, and so I appreciated that mood of the Thieves Guild that it didn't change because it shouldn't. Right. Sure. And. It felt like the Thieves Guild quest line was, you know, it, it it sometimes would have quests that were, you know, more boring than others. But over overall, it was like it cool that they're all connected to this one thing that you can kind of progress through, as opposed to just being some random NPC's fetch quest. Right, because like, you could you could do you know the fetch quests, or you could just follow the main <laughs> the main storyline of the Thieves Guild. Right. Yeah. And. It was cool that it could always kind of be this thing that you could also come back to and be like, oh, I haven't done Thieves stuff in a while. <laughs> exactly. It was, you know, it could be a side side quest. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> a reoccurring segment. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there were some really cool side quests in Skyrim. And I I think, especially the ones we talked about, it f- feels like a lot of RPGs you know, unless the side quests are done incredibly well, the ones that are one-offs, if they, a lot of them will feel like a chore because it's just, it's just this one thing, and you do it, and then, all right, see you, see you later. Yeah, like you <laughs> never interact with that NPC ever again. <laughs> right, but the ones where it either changes the game or it's continuous over a few quests or a storyline are always going to be more fun and more interesting. Yeah, because they could change the entire game. Like, if you do all of the Imperial Soldier quests, like, the end of the game for the main quest is completely different. Like, in terms of, you know, your alliances and who's actually in charge and, like, who are the Jarls and all of that. So, it's cool. Yeah, it's extremely cool. (laughs) We've talked a ton about Skyrim. What? (laughs) But it's there like are yeah. yeah. It's it's a pretty good game. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there are there are a couple things coming out that have been talked about a little bit. Yes. That are slightly related to this game. <laughs> uh one of them being Sky Oblivion. Oh uh, yeah. Somehow, I don't know how I informed you about. <laughs> yeah, I know. I apparently don't look up, you know, enough things on social media or something right. i don't know apparently missed the boat on that one but yeah <laughs> it's a complete remake of oblivion uh made by a bunch of devs yep and it's in the world of skyrim like in terms of the look the um combat like like the engine of, and everything exactly yeah. all of like the mechanics and stuff are gonna be through skyrim that's that sounds really cool. That sounds like finally I might get a full Oblivion experience. <laughs> yes. No, you should definitely play it when that comes out because I will probably replay <laughs> as well. 
I just wonder if they're gonna reuse the Oblivion soundtrack, or if Jeremy Soule's gonna do a new original oh, oh. Oblivion. So- oh, oh. <laughs> if he like has some sort of like combination or something, ooh, man, that'll get me excited. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, I'd be totally fine with the old Oblivion soundtrack. That would be totally yeah, fine. It'd be okay, but you know, don't get me, don't get my hopes up. <laughs> I know, right. <laughs> But more directly related to Skyrim is <laughs> Bethesda's going ahead and deciding that Skyrim did pretty well, and <laughs> they might finally make Elder Scrolls Six. Yes, oh, it's going to be so long, and I'm so sad that it's going to be so long from now. <laughs> right, it's already been so long. It's yeah, been eight years. Eight years. Of time we're almost this. Yeah. exactly almost eight years. Almost exactly eight years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's standed the test of time. Yeah, if Skyrim was that good, you know, if they aren't, pardon my French, half-assing this next game. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know if any of this is true, but I heard that they are potentially reverting back to a better leveling system. So if they do that, I will be completely happy. (laughs) Yeah, for me, it's just, you know, I want a new cool place with cool stuff in it. Right, yeah, and ugh. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I just need I just need a, a fleshed out world. That's I want it. more of the Morrowind world because like the Black Marsh is so cool sounding and I want to see that kind of stuff. Like, you know, that more like we were talking about, more fantastical looking and unique. Right. I would I would like one thing I would like from an Elder Scrolls game. Or at least the next one, because I'm, I, you know, I'm a Skyrim fan, but I haven't <laughs> delved into all the other ones. Like, I mean, my favorite open world game is Breath of the Wild, and it's completely different than Skyrim. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> there's, they have, you know, as we were talking about the quests, it made me realize how bad the side quests are in Breath of the Wild. <laughs> um, but one thing that I love about that game is it has so many different regions and like different looks to the world that are drastically different like that in in the island like the island that you're on you can go from a complete stormy desert to climbing a giant molten volcano and like just that the world isn't shades of gray like i know there are regions in skyrim that look different but i want like like star wars-esque planets that are just one feature for the whole planet but spread throughout the world where you just completely encounter different uh environments that would be cool yeah that that would be very exciting it would be you know to me a more exciting version of of, uh elder scrolls online there we go (laughs) Mm, where they've combined tamriel which you know that's really exciting but i i don't want to play Skyrim online <laughs> <laughs> sure which yeah. you know I mean I know that you're not you don't have to be with other people and you can play it pretty much by yourself but I don't know I just right it's more the intent of the game yeah exactly yeah. well I think that pretty much wraps it up for the Skyrim talk this week I guess <laughs> I know I mean after we're done recording we can keep talking about it it's okay okay, okay cool <laughs> <laughs> but this week it's your turn for a recommendation yes it is um so I would like to recommend Hoopla it is H-O-O-P-L-A 
It is this app that you can use in conjunction with your library card. Um, I don't know if it is supported with all libraries in, um, you know, all of the states. I have no clue. So, you know, if it doesn't work, I'm sorry. Your mileage may vary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I started using it when I was in Michigan and I am currently using it still. And it is still one of my favorite apps that allows me to borrow audiobooks, um, ebooks, and um, movies, music, you know, any of the things that you can find in libraries, you can borrow through this app. And I really enjoy using it because it's free. And I have found a lot of great new audiobook authors through this that I would not have found otherwise because audiobooks are expensive. And so I'm not going to buy an audiobook unless I already know that I like it for the most right, part. Right, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I would say this is one of my favorite apps to be able to borrow audiobooks for free. And um, yes, there's a limit on the borrows and you have to do it on a monthly basis, but you can borrow five audiobooks and that seems like a pretty good amount. And if it works for your library, I would highly recommend it. Yeah, I'm 100% going to check it out as soon as we're done with the show and see if it works with my library card because, you know, for traveling and all that kind of stuff, being able to have a few audiobooks on deck is a great thing. Oh, yes. Yes. Awesome. That sounds cool. Well, this has been Expand Cool. Check us out on facebook.com slash expandcool or twitter.com slash expandcool for episode information and polls for episode topics. Um, for this week, feel free to share your favorite story or memory relating to Elder Scrolls series on our social media. If you would like to directly support us, visit patreon.com slash expandcool. Tune in next week for our discussion on Blade Runner 2049. I'm Sam. And I'm Kevin. Thank you for listening. <laughs>